So we are here to do another podcast, uh, sharing the life and testimony of one of our senior saints at our church. And this is Florence Thompson, who currently works in our academy, correct? With kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that keeps you busy at 80, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about your life. Where were you born, Florence? Okay, I was born October 15, 1943. And when I thought about that year, that's during World War II. <laughs> that sounds old, doesn't it? <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, uh, Chester, Pennsylvania. And um, my dad built our house, but he never completed it. And we moved in unfinished on the inside and the outside. And that was in a very big embarrassment to me growing up. My yeah. whole time I grew up, we lived like that. And But I had a godly mother who <clears throat> loved the Lord and served the Lord and instilled some wonderful things in me. She uh, was a lady that you, you hear about in the Bible as having a sweet spirit. Yeah. And uh, so she was a great testimony to me as a young girl and as I grew up. Wow. Siblings? Yes, um, I have an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister. My younger sister went to be with the Lord. Um, she kind of chose to take the low road, <laughs> and she really Struggle. just about ruined her life, yes. But that's another story. Um, she, um, she got wrapped up, of course, in the wrong crowd and everything, and she... Um, as I was um, married and we were in Frederick and <clears throat> had my family and everything, she had uh, taken off and I didn't know where she was. And uh, my daughter Sharon uh, played the piano for the ensemble where the college was that she was going to. And she um, <clears throat> was out in Oregon where that's the last known place my sister was. And uh, Sharon called me and she said, Mom, she said, I'm in Oregon, and she said, I just had my devotions, and I, God has really laid your sister on my heart. I want to go find her for you. And I said, I don't know where, I don't even know if she's still there, you know. And uh, so she said, give me your address. So I gave her the address and everything. And you know how when you have a group come uh, to your church, they stay with families. Well, all the girls stayed with this one uh, retired missionary single lady. And uh, so Sharon showed her the address and everything, and um, the uh, lady said, oh, I know where that is. And so it was kind of like on the other side of the tracks. <clears throat> and so uh, they drove up there, and they're all dressed alike, you know, in heels and really snazzy looking, you know. And uh, so Sharon gets out of the van, and there's a little girl sitting on the step, and the little girl said, who are you? And she said, I might be your cousin. <laughs> might be. And so so um, my prayer was always that somebody would go to the, her door. Somebody would knock on her door. But then I'd say, but Lord, if they do, she's going to shut the door in her face, you know. <clears throat> so I, I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. But just somebody go to her door, never dreaming. With your own daughter. It would be my daughter. And so, um, so my sister came out, and so uh, Sharon told her who she was. <clears throat> that, to make a long story short, that ended up being the result of my sister getting her heart right with the Lord, getting into a wow. church, and serving the Lord. And I got letters from her praising God, how he has helped her, and it just, and I always tell Sharon, Sharon, you did it. <laughs> That's amazing. The Holy Spirit, Yeah. With God's help, but God laid it on her heart to do it, and so that was that's always been a when when somebody says I'm praying and I'm praying, and uh, Sharon told her <coughs> she said Ethel and Ethel, <coughs> uh, my mom prays for you every Wednesday night, and uh, not knowing you know where she was or how she was or anything. It's a good reminder, like Pastor was saying at our Lord's Supper Fellowship, that one of the things we're remembering is the hope we have in the Lord. Exactly. That nothing is ever beyond ho- mm-hmm. being hopeful for. Mm-hmm. And I Im- immediately thought of the loved ones I have that are unsaved. But the fact that she was um, 
on a trip to Oregon, and it happened to be in the same town yeah. that your sister lived. Uh-huh. Clear Oregon's across the country. Big, yeah. Oregon's uh-huh. a big state. That's, exactly. that's incredible that the Lord yes. orchestrated that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the blessing. You just see God working. And he wasn't ready before, and he, it had to be my daughter somebody that she would listen to. That's the value of these podcasts, too, for those of us who are still hopeful, Mm -hmm. you know, to hear that he does answer those prayers and he does work things out in his own timing. Did you all go to church growing up? Um, We rode... Now, everybody thinks Baptists had Sunday school buses, but we rode a Methodist Sunday school bus back in the 40s and 50s uh, to the Methodist church. And then the... um, Someone uh, wanted to start a church in our neighborhood. Because, you know, it's not the South. We didn't have a Baptist church on every corner. And um, so they started this Baptist church. And my mother had been Baptist, but there wasn't a church in the area. So she would go to the Methodist church because my dad was Methodist. So anyway, so this pastor came and he started the church in our area. And uh, we got saved, my girlfriend Nancy and I got saved, and she is a big part of my life. I couldn't give my testimony without. Still Nancy. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still is. We, we don't know when we met. We were babies in strollers together, and we have kept this years. bond. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got, to, we started going to the, this Baptist church, and we got saved and got involved in the youth ministry and you know got involved in church so church and 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 the bible has been a big part of my life that's why i wrote down those three verses because i can't give a testimony without god's word and how it has helped me through well share that my life romans 8 28 and we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them are called according to his purpose and then psalms 121 uh, verses 1 and 2 why that verse I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. You know, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And I thought, if God can create all that, and he has the power to do all that. He has the power to help me. And that just struck me. And I love mountains. You know, I love the mountains. And it just seemed like it all went together. Yeah. You know, and then First um, uh, Peter uh, 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And that verse... Uh, I found that verse when my sister had taken off and I didn't, and I didn't know what to do. And I just had found that verse, cast all your care on him. And so that verse has been a big part of my life too. I so. love that. <laughs> They're more than just a t-shirt or a yes. you know, sticker for your or a bumper, Bible. Or a bumper yes. sticker. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. They still make those? Okay. <laughs> now, now they go on your iPad or your Yeti, I think, but... You know, that you've seen those lived out in your life. You've seen those, yes. you know, yes. sustain you. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, so how did you meet your husband then? Or what did you do? So you, you graduate high school, I'm guessing, right? Yes, yes. And I went to Bible college for a year and a half in, in Philadelphia. But I had to leave uh, to help my mother. I had to, she was in financial straits, and I had to, I had to stop and help her. But... Um, before I go into that, I wanted to tell you, because this is a really important part of testimony. I had three hang-ups growing up as a kid and a teenager and everything. First of all was I was so embarrassed, I said, of my home. And, and, but, you know, God knew that, and he, he, he took care of that anyway. And the other hang-up was um, I was, I was so stinking skinny. I had no shape whatsoever. And I was walking down the street one time. I was 16 years old. <coughs> Carlota Boys rides by. Said, You'll be all right when you get older. <laughs> I thought I was about 13 or something, you know. <coughs> and it just bothered me so bad. And not only was I so skinny, I was loaded with freckles, you know. And, you know, teenagers have hang-ups, and these were yeah. my <laughs> hang-ups, you know. And um, the, the boys in the neighborhood called Nancy and me pretzels. Nancy was pretzel with salt, and I was skinnier than her, so I was pretzel without the salt. Peer pressure is a thing still. Wouldn't that bother you? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so these things, these things kind of um, uh, were hang-ups for me, and I, 
and I um, I didn't have the clothes that other girls had, you know, going to school and everything. And that it the the reason why I say these are important is because these three things kind of kept me from thinking God can't use me. Really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, I you know what could I do? You know, I'm poor. I you know I don't have nice clothes to wear. And, and I'm as skinny as a rail, you know. And it was. They, these were hang-ups. Yeah, were, finding your identity and uh-huh. things. Yeah. And that's what young people go through. Yeah. They really do. When did you put your faith in the Lord? Were you a teenager? I was 11 years old. Really? The preacher came and started that church, and we started going to that church. And uh, we got saved and got involved with everything. And I might add, I don't know if any of you are old enough to know about Youth for Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that was a big thing in our neighborhood, uh, our area. And we had an unusual leader. And if you, did, if, if you didn't go to YFC on Saturday night, you were either sick or in the hospital <laughs> or in jail or something. You know, that was the big thing. Every, all the kids would come back to school after the weekend and talk about the parties they went to. We went to Youth for Christ, you know. And, uh, but we had an unusual leader. He encouraged you not tithing to the Youth for Christ. He encouraged you to tithe at your church, you know. And he was just a strong local church. And that was important in our lives. That, that helped. That was really a help, yeah. you know. Because a lot of pastors didn't like Youth for Christ because it was interdenominational, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, parachurch organizations mm-hmm. that yes. they think take the focus yes. away from. Yes. Some do. Yes. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to ask you. You um, met my husband. Yeah. Well, you, well, so you said you were, does that church still around any chance? Or? The church that yeah. I grew up in, they changed it and moved it, and uh, I think it's still around. Ever been there, visited? Did your family stay oh, there a long time? A long, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So then you went off to college, but you came back. Yes, and then... But you're um, the oldest daughter, then. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Sam's mom started going to our church, and she said, uh-huh. my, her son was in Germany. I want my son to meet you and everything. I'm thinking, yeah, right. So he's already in the military at this yes. point. Okay. Yes. And so he came home. We met in uh, July, I think, and... And November, he asked me to marry him, and uh, <laughs> and we got married and went to Alaska. What year was that? That was 1974. I mean, that's 1964. I was gonna say 74. And uh, 74. You might be too young for this podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How did your mom feel about it? Uh, she was kind of heartbroken. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, but she knew he would take care of me, and. Um, my mom and I were very close, and uh, four months after we got to Alaska, she went to be with the Lord. Really? Oh, that's so hard. It was very hard, very hard. <clears throat> and you talk about, you know, preachers been talking about resting in the Lord, having his peace. Right. As, as hard as it was, there's a, there was a peace in my heart. Yep. I knew she was the, the Lord, and I knew the Lord was taking care of her. Sure. She was musically... Very talented. She had perfect pitch, and she um, she just loved music. And I just I could just picture her in heaven singing in the choir or playing the organ or something. You know. Yeah. And I, but I was very sad. She never got to meet my children. Yeah. You know. And you were far away at the time when it happened. Yes. Did you have? Were you able to get back to Pennsylvania? For the funeral? That was another story. I got a story for everything. When we <laughs> at eighty when, years, yeah, you know. When when we, I had to fly, and I never had flown before because we drove mm-hmm. up the Alcan. And um, so I'm at the airport and um, in Anchorage, and uh, got on the plane, and this lady sat next to me. She was the kind of lady, looking like the kind of lady that my mother would say, you know, bright red lipstick, you know, bright, don't associate with that kind of lady. And so, uh, so 
she saw me crying and everything, and she started talking to me. This God used that lady to get me where I needed to go. Mm. And we got to Seattle, and I was supposed to transfer. And, she, and I had told her I'd never flown before. She stayed with me, so my because she that's where she was leaving right there. She was going home, and she took me to where I was supposed to go and everything. You certainly did answer prayers you didn't even know how to ask. So, and at what point did your husband decide, or did you all decide the Army wasn't it and that he was calling well, your husband to ministry? We were, we were at a, um, we had a revival in our church, and um, uh, the preacher used to say, you need to be in the ministry and stuff like that, you know. He just thought he would be good for the ministry. A preacher, you know. So um, my husband was studying to be an accountant. He was going to college up there while he was in the military. He was going to be an accountant. And so um, we had this revival meeting, and um, he went forward. And I knew in my heart that's what it was. I knew that's what it was. So I stepped out, and pastor's wife said, why are you coming here? And I said, I think God's called my husband to preach. I just want the Lord to know I'm ready to go, and and so she said, "Well, go tell your husband, you know, you're yeah. ready to join." And that was it. And the pastor recommended Springfield at this Bible college in Springfield, in Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. yeah, know it well. Yeah. Uh, do you have children then? Uh, no, uh, I did. Beth was born shortly after we got to Springfield. When we got to Missouri, she was born there. So we got out of the military and y'all moved to Missouri. Mm -hmm. Had you moved around as a child? No, you just no. stayed. So yeah, Alaska. I didn't even go out to eat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Alaska was quite a change, and yes, then the Midwest. Uh -huh. So yes. you know, you still carry your Pennsylvania accent. Mm -hmm. You can still hear it. Really? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. So four years in college there. Five. The senior year, the summer. The summer before our senior year, the um, before the uh, the school year had ended and starting in the summer, um, the professor said that a church had contacted them and they wanted a pastor, and so um, he went up afterwards and said, "I'll go." So he came home and told me we're going to Beulah, Missouri, and uh, it was uh, we had to drive 120 miles one way. We went through Fort Leonard Wood, mm -hmm. out the back part of Fort Leonard Wood, and went to Beulah, Missouri. <laughs> it was in the Ozarks. And uh, we, um, we drove up and we saw the little sign, Beulah. And we went over this little hill, and there's nothing. <laughs> and I looked back, and there's the other sign going that away. And I was like, where is it? You know, here's two signs, but where's Beulah? Yeah. <laughs> and there was a little street that went off. And it consisted of a store that was the store and the post office, and then this <laughs> church, this church. So we, that was the whole town. That was the whole town. So we went. So we went to the church, and here was another student, pastoral student there, and his wife. And unbeknownst to us or them, we both came to candidate for this little tiny church, you know. And so they decided, my husband preached, taught Sunday school, and he would preach the service. And uh, he called, they called us, to our surprise, they called us, and this is funny, but I always said my first act, the first time I was a preacher's wife was, I took the catalog out of the outhouse and put toilet paper in there. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Who says pastor's wife is not a ministry? I know. And then they had a, they, it was an old Catholic church. And so they had this altar, this row, and it had vases one after another of these faded plastic flowers. In them. <laughs> so I cleared that off. And I put one nice one in the middle. Yeah. So that was my first accident. <laughs> had you worked up until that point? Uh in Anchorage, okay. I uh, worked at a bank. Should I go? I worked at a bank, and uh, I was the first teller. And um, this two guys walked in, and, and uh, one guy sat down on the couch and watched this other guy. He came up to my window, 
And he said, lady, give me your money. And I said, <laughs> I can't do that. I said, this is, this is a note payment. This is where you pay for, make your payments for your cars, your house, your mm -hmm. stuff like that. I said, um, and he said, but, I, but he said, oh, give me your money. And I said, if you want to open a new account, I said, <laughs> and I, I'm directing him all this way. <laughs> so he had his hand in his pocket. And he goes, lady, give me your money. And he looked at the other guy like, this woman's crazy. You know? and, and, so, and so I said. I think most people just scream and then hand him the money. So after I tried to redirect him to somewhere else, he decided to leave. And so he left. And I'm thinking, what was that? <laughs> so I put my clothes sign up in my window and I and I told the other lady I think somebody just tried to hold me up. <laughs> That's so, a good story. So the so the next day uh, a detective came in and he had all these pictures out. He said, Do you recognize? And I said, Yes, that's the two guys. He said, we just picked him up at the airport, and he had a forty-eight revolver in his pocket. So the, so the boss, he connected everybody. We do not talk people out of giving them money. We, we give them the money, you know, and let, let them have it, you know. So I learned a lesson. That is funny. But then I would imagine pastor's wife and you had children by then, so by the time you take this church in Beulah, you're pretty Bad. focused on, Bad. yeah. Sunday school superintendent, and he wore his big overalls every Sunday, and he would sing a special. And he had his guitar, and he would sing The Great Speckled Bird. And I'd sit there and I'd think, what does that got to do? <laughs> but, but How many people in this church? It was small. There may have been 20-some, but it, it... That was the it, whole town, yeah, pretty much. It did grow, believe it or not, but... Most of the Ozark hillbillies had four rooms in the past, so you know that wasn't unusual to them to have an outhouse outside the church. Sure, you know? sure. But uh, the 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 Sunday school superintendent, um, their names are Brandon. They had us to their house for dinner, and they set a bowl of turnips on the table, and that was dinner. See, I knew what it was to be poor. Yeah. And I understood it didn't. Right. You know? And God was, used that. It was their two shekels. Yeah. I mean, they were. Yeah. And then Beth Ann, she was two, two and a half. She had to go to potty. And they had an outhouse. But this outhouse was unusual. It was tilted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you sat like this. And there was a stream that ran down. A little sat the, forward. Yeah. Yeah. And so okay. you could sit there and watch the stream run through, you know. And Beth Ann would not have anything to do with it. Well, that, that actually Knowing Beth, like, yeah. So, they, so Mrs. Grandin got a flower pot and dumped the dirt out of it. And then Beth Ann would go to pot. That is so funny. I think she meant, did you work while you were in Jula? No. Yeah. No, because we were still in Bonclay. We drove up there on the weekend. Yeah, because he graduated oh, then from then, there. Then, yeah, then we, yeah. Then How we long did you there. stay there? Uh, we just stayed there till graduation because we had a burden for the Northeast. I mean, we were from there. We knew there were. Right. They needed churches there, and that was our burden. And there's a difference between a burden and a call. You can have a burden for something, but if God hasn't called you, it's different, you know, and this was our burden, and so we went to uh, Philadelphia area, oh. and uh, we tried to start a church there. It didn't pan out. We had, we were naive, and we just tried to start a church in uh, basically a big Jewish neighborhood. Flower Town? Yeah. That's all you know. Uh -huh. Is that near yeah. where you were from? Yes. Okay. Not too far, yeah. Outside of Philadelphia, little town of Philadelphia. So how long were you all there? They, we were only there a little over a year. And then a, a friend of ours, a pastor friend in Ohio, called and asked if he would be interested in trying out for a, a church a group had come out of the Southern Baptist Church and they wanted to be an independent Baptist church. And so, um, so we rode out there to South Lebanon, Ohio. 
Near Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Yeah. About an hour south. I have a niece that lived there, there. There is a Lebanon, Ohio, and then there's a South Lebanon, Ohio. And so it's about an hour outside of Cincinnati. And so, so we went there, and um, it was doing really well. Church was growing, and people were being saved, and we wow. bought property and built a building. And in fact, Beth and I, when the foundation had been laid, we had gone out and we walked around the building, kind of like Joshua, you know, we walked around the building and then we stopped and prayed. Mm-hmm. And we prayed and asked God to use this building as a means of bringing people in and people would, you know, get saved. And, um, and, uh, and Sharon was born there, yeah. she was born there. But uh, um, the church, uh, the people, and the leadership there, there was some sin in the in the, and we didn't know it. Some of the people all knew it, but we didn't know it. And um, and uh, so it um, was not t- too good, you know. Yeah. And they didn't like uh, the preaching. They said they did, but they really didn't like the preaching on sin and stuff, you know. <laughs> it's and a red so, flag. <laughs> yeah. So so they. Um, basically tried to force us out. How long you'd been there at that point? About a year and a half. And um, so um, it was very hard because I was not brought up to treat a pastor the way these people were doing. I was, you respect the pastor. Shepherd. Yeah, my mom used to say, um, you don't talk about your preacher unless, you know, there is sin. I mean, if it's money or, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and and um, God will take care of the other problems. You know, it's not for me to try and correct the pastor. You know, and uh, so it it was very hard on me emotionally uh, and physically too. Because now that I can't say that was hundred percent everybody, because there were those who wanted us to stay, but there was there was no way you could. There there wasn't. I think a lot of testimony I've heard from people that have gone into ministry, especially for any like the time like you, there's there's something about the time in your life when you commit to ministry, and then you see the reality of, yes. and it is hard. Yeah. It can be very discouraging and very off-putting, you know, because you you've surrendered to this call, and then it's like how true is this commitment right like i should now start this church and it should thrive and people should be saved and i should have 100 mm-hmm. percent support and mm-hmm. you just see that it's yeah. Yeah. it's and a then, challenge every day so when we left i think i told you this we were driving out of town and my husband pulls over to the side of the room yep. what is he doing he jumps out of the car and shakes his feet oh, <laughs> yeah. shakes it, jesus told the disciples yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh so then we left. And, um, Did you have a place you were going no, at the time? We didn't know where to go or what to do. We just were trusting God to lead us to where, where he wanted him to be. And uh, <clears throat> so... Um, so at this point, you've been married. Okay, we had Beth and Sharon. this 10 years. Yeah. 10 years into this journey. Mm-hmm. And, yes, and uh, so we... His cousin lived in Alexandria, Virginia, right suburb of, of Washington, D.C. And he had a, a big room, uh, like a one-room apartment. It did have a sink and a stove in it and a bed. So we went there, and, and, um, and so he would ride around looking at different areas and, you know, just praying and seeking God's leadership. And... That's how we got led to Frederick. Yeah, because where did you live in, in South Lebanon? Do you live like the pastorate or the... They, in the property that yeah. we bought, it had a house on it. So then when it all goes south, you're also homeless yeah. with two kids. Right. So, you know, that had to have been incredibly challenging for both of you to not mm-hmm. just say, maybe this isn't what the Lord wants. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Like I told you, when we started the church in Frederick, I was sitting in the service and I thought, I'm not going to love these people. They're just going to be mean and hateful, and I'm just not going to love these people. And it was like God put an arrow in my heart, you know? He said, yeah, you're going to love them. So you started that church out there? So you you move in with his cousin, sorry. Yeah, and then we... Decided to start a church there. 
So we went looking for an apartment, and we had to pay two hundred dollars a month. Wow! And that included utilities. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how are we going to make it? You know. <laughs> that was sounds funny right. now. Yeah, right, right. But let me say this: uh, uh, two things. I wanted to go back to the church at Beulah. We um, the the college would have uh, fellowship meetings, and we went back. Uh, for one of them, and we went by the Grandins, the one that had yeah. the outhouse, you know. The turnips. And the turnips. <laughs> and, and the uh, speckled bird. They were so excited to see us. The first thing he wanted to show us was, he told us he started tithing, mm. and he put indoor plumbing in his house. <laughs> you don't keep up with any of those people anymore, oh, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then... We went back to uh, the church in Levin, South Lebanon, uh, because the pastor, after we left, committed suicide. Oh, my and goodness. And the church closed down. Because my husband told him, he said, if you don't get your hearts right, God is going to write Ichabod mm-hmm. on this place. Mm-hmm. And so when we left, this other preacher came in. I don't know what caused it. I don't know if it was the people driving nuts or I don't know what it was, wow. you know. He committed suicide, and um, so we went back. And remember, Beth and I prayed that God would use yeah. that building, you know, to bring people in, uh, that we had a place for the people to come. They another man bought that building, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but he turned it into the track league. It's called the track league, and they made it a printing uh, press, printing. Uh, Oh, place. and printed Bible tracts. Printed tracts that went all over the world. Oh. And he, he took us and introduced us to all the people that were working. This is the man that built this building that made it possible for these tracts to go. Oh. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. So you have great stories. I know. I told you. I done this a long I time ago. for everything. <laughs> How did, I mean... Be real honest. How did you feel when your husband, when you're in Maryland now and your husband says, let's start another church? I know you said you didn't want to. I mean, did you feel like maybe you should join the military again? I don't know. Never doubted. No, uh uh-uh. Even with all the heartache and the. Mm -hmm. Because when I was a teenager, even with my hang-ups, I prayed every night. And I read my Bible every night. And I prayed, God, please use me. Because I didn't think he could. And I would pray, God, use me. I don't want to just sit in a pew. And, you know, just do nothing. I want to do something for you, Lord. And I, and I, but in my mind, I'm thinking, but you can't. I don't know how you can, you know. I've got all these hang-ups, you know. And so. But that willing heart was all he needed. Yes, yes, yes. That's what. Yeah. That's what I think. That's what caused you to live in Mm a one-room cousin's (laughs) apartment with your two kids and not get discouraged. Mm -hmm. You had a very willing heart. But we were at Frederick for 27 years. Started that church. Mm-hmm. And, wow. We scratched it and I was sold. And that's when you had Aunt Deborah. Hmm? That's when you had Aunt Deborah. Yes. And then Deborah was born there. So I said, we're not moving anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> and, and no many, more kids. Yeah. How many parishioners did you have in that church? 450. Wow. And Starting from scratch. Uh-huh. That's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially right. up there. Mm-hmm. It's not... Uh-huh. Exactly, just right. like what happened in Pennsylvania. So how big was the Not building Bible Belt. to start with? It was a house. It was a we house. Renovated. It was a farmhouse. And we had all this property, and we had this farmhouse. So they rented, renovated the building, and that was where we met, had our church offices. <clears throat> I got a really adorable picture with Lauren. Uh, she was little, and we kept her for some reason or another. And I'm working at my desk, and she's sitting on my lap. <laughs> and she was she's she a cute was baby. Yes, in, she was in the farmhouse. Uh huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then, did you? You obviously had to build another building. Oh yes, we built two more buildings on that property. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, they had um, last October, they had their fiftieth anniversary, and they invited me to come up. That's when I felt like. God, you did use me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. So tell us so, some stories about your time there. Um, when we when we started the church, we were going to have this anniversary Sunday, and um, the 
the people who built the house, their names were whites. And so at that time, um, we could put anything in the newspaper for free. I could write up an article about, we're having a special missionary, and they print it. And, uh, and then Can't they, even read it now yeah, for free. <laughs> then, then they had a, a religious section that you could put a brief little thing in. But they would take articles and stuff, you know. And so I brought it down to the newspaper and everything. And so we, uh, we planned this big um, anniversary. Uh, and, and we were going to make it a dedication. We were going to dedicate the building and everything that we had completed. And we were going to have a special speaker come in. And we were going to have it in the afternoon and all this kind of stuff. So uh, that went in the newspaper, and so uh, I'm sitting at my desk, and this phone call comes in, and I said, why, did, why are you having the anniversary? Why are you having the dedication service at this Sunday, at this date, and at this time? And I thought, just, just what I need, a nut to start the day <laughs> off with, you know? And I said, well, I said, we started the church on you know such this date yeah. and we wanted to make it as close to the date we started the church and and uh, she said well this is Mrs. White oh the people who own the property she said we had a dedication of our house to be used of God on the same date at the same time really my goodness so she wasn't upset she was just mind blown and it was like it was God's stamp of approval on this building. Kind of like the way you walked around the one at South Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Like they had dedicated that property. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you were hit the secretary there then. Mm -hmm. And you did that while raising the girls. Yes. So they just grew up running around that property. Yes. And, and they grew up, each one, playing the piano. When yeah. one finished and went to Bible college, the other one jumped in. <laughs> the <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, they were spread out a little bit, weren't they, the girls? Yes, except uh, Beth and uh, Sharon and Deborah were two years apart, but I lost one between Beth and uh, Sharon, so they're almost five years apart. You still close to anybody there at the church in Maryland? Uh, when you go to Bible college and you're taught you, when you go to a church and you leave that church, you leave it. You leave it because that pastor is the pastor. Right. You don't want the people running to the uh, former mm -hmm. pastor. Mm -hmm. So you don't keep, you know. But we did, yes, we did keep in touch with some, but it was not a close relationship that, you know. Just decided to retire? and. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And we went to Florida. Felt like the church was left in good, capable hands? Yes. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Because you didn't get discouraged or give up any of those other times. and So how did you end up here? Um, well, when I left Florida, um, I was with my girlfriend. And I was talking to Beth. And she said, and Steve said, come on. I, you know, she, he was going to talk to Vonda about giving me a job. So I came down here and I started doing just extended care. Had you years. taught before or worked in an academy at all? Really? No, I just taught Sunday school for years and yeah. years. And years. Seems very <laughs> natural to you. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> well, I like it. I really do. And so she put me in just doing uh, extended care. And it was, to me, it was like a glorified babysitting job. But I wasn't going to, I didn't want them just, to, I didn't want to just sit there and then tear the place up and do all this stuff. So I would do things with them, you know. And so then Vonda put me in um, aiding, too. Yeah. She added that to the, so I would aid the different teachers. And this was all across the street, you know. And then... Because um, when was that? How long? 15 years ago. Has it been that long? Almost, yeah. Wow. 14 years. And then um, uh, Mrs. Kellett mm -hmm. uh, was pregnant. And so she wanted to work half a day towards the end. And she kind asked me if I wanted to work half a day do, doing that and not doing the aftercare. For what grade? Yeah. And, yes. And uh, so, um, so, I started, so I started doing that. And, um, and then um, 
think Becky came back to teach. And so I'm thinking, what is she going to do with me? <laughs> I can't half teach because they, got, they don't have anybody that needs a half a day teacher. And they've already got somebody doing extended care. And I'm thinking, what is she going to do with me? And she waited till the last minute, it seemed like. You know? <laughs> Please tell me what you're going to do with me. And so she said, this is what I'm thinking. And this is what I've been doing all these years. She said, I would like for you to go in the kindergarten classes and teach the other things, mm -hmm. the fun things. Yeah, yeah. That the kids remember. Yeah, <laughs> that, that they look forward art, to. The art, the, yeah. the uh, science, and the, and basically it's like history, you know. Yeah, so I know you do a great history lesson. Very elementary, so. but, you know, yeah. it is, you know. And uh, so I, I really enjoy it. I really like it been doing it now a while so and we have quite a robust kindergarten here there are four, four yeah whenever i tell anybody that they're blown away you've got four kindergarten classes. that are maxed mm -hmm. each class so. yeah they are yeah. you couldn't squeeze another one in at nap time you know <laughs> it's like this way you go yeah. in a room, you know? so have some of the kids you started with graduated at this point oh, yes Is that yeah mind-blowing yeah i want to tell you a funny story um when Lauren and uh, Heather were in the high school and I was doing the aftercare and I, uh, her friends would call me grandmother. All of her friends would call me grandmother. And so I was bringing the, <laughs> I was bringing the children across the gym to go over for some reason or another. And the girls started, hi grandmother. And this little black boy says, you're her grandmother? Because it was, the, what was her name? I think it was Albrecht. Uh, oh, but yes, it was. It yeah. was Albrecht. And she's saying, hi, grandmother. And that boy went. And she had just, she had just taken her braids out, so she had her nice, pretty afro. Yeah. And, she, <laughs> and he couldn't figure that out. So you had funny. a tight little group of friends, too, I remember. Yes. And they, yes. yeah, family. I mean, it was during, like, cheer practice. So we were in the gym, yeah. and y'all yes. were coming yes. through. through. And so we all just turned around and said, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Honorary term. Honorary <laughs> grandparents and aunts and uncles are wonderful things yes. that God's given us. Yes. Yes. So. Well, I, you know, all my grandchildren. So say, how many do you have? Eight. Okay. They were all spread out, and so I didn't like being a long distance grandmother at all. And then, so when I came here, at least I had, you know, I was around Lauren and Heather. And then you still do your trips? Yes, I go to uh, uh, Indiana, where Sharon and Deborah live and I go up there Christmas time and sometimes in the summer yeah in the summer I go up for two weeks and so spend some time with them which is great yeah it is it is God's been so good to me I'm so blessed very much so really am. um and you also so here at the church you plugged in right away too and kind of took over teaching a Sunday school class yes, and yes that's... I was surprised he wanted me to do that really mm -hmm. After, I mean, being a pastor's wife. Or, yeah, but under circumstances, I didn't know if, you know. It's interesting to me that you always question your worth. You know, that that is part of <laughs> your testimony. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. We just had a text, didn't we? <laughs> you have a great, great Sunday school class of ladies that are yes, and being growing. ministered too well. Yes. And I was sitting there Sunday, and I, and I looked, and I'm like, there's four ladies, I, you know, that weren't here. Before. You're running and, out of chairs, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to run out of our room, though. We'll bring in folding chairs. That's right. <laughs> you like that room. We like our room. <laughs> One of your trips yes. to Indiana, you had asked me to sub for your class. Yes. Now when I do, you give me the freedom to teach what I want. But you asked me to teach on hope. Do you remember that? Mm -mm. No. And I remember really struggling with that because I was younger and I just thought, well, to me, hope was just the the faith and the expectation that God will keep his promises, that he who promised is faithful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I start teaching that class and they taught me. It's, it's a big part of my testimony that these are ladies now, like where you're at, that have said, oh, you don't have to believe he will. He will. Mm -hmm. You know, when I lost my husband, when I faced that diagnosis, when life didn't turn out the way I thought, he promised he was faithful. Mm -hmm. And it was just really eye-opening you know, it's such the value of your classes, the testimony of all the women yes. in there that have yes. walked the journey yes. that I'm on and can say, yes, yes he, he was. He, oh, honey, yeah. He'll, yeah. That's what it, you're saying. He used yes. you. Yes. He blessed you. He's 
He guided you. He protected you. He answered prayers you didn't know how to ask. And there's such value in hearing that. I was having a conversation with Deborah, and of course her kids are still all at home, although Reagan's going to graduate from high school this year. And we were talking about faith. And, um, and I said, you know, I said, your kids, we teach them, we're trying to tell them about faith, but they don't really know what faith is. I mean, somebody like us who's lived this long, you know, I got this story, I got another story, you know, I, I can tell you this, you know, yeah. how that God blesses and he honors you, you know, and but it's hard for them to understand it because they, they have not had the trials mm -hmm. and the testings that yeah. you have gone through and you've seen how God has enabled you, mm -hmm. how he's giving you the strength to do what you have to do. And and and, and it's a, it's up to us to tell them those stories. Yes. I was going to say that she I mean she's a big part of my testimony because, you know, parents don't always want to be transparent with their children for a time because yes. they're trying to protect them. Yes. Yes. So I grew up very innocent of a lot of the things that I found out later that were trials in my parents' lives. And the beauty of my grandmother getting to live here while I was that older mm -hmm. tween teen yeah. and coming home from college and everything, I got to hear all these stories from her as I was going through my first young adult trials and everything. And it was just such a blessing to have that kind of hope and faith. And I heard a weird analogy once that always stuck with me that, you know, faith is a muscle you have to exercise. So obviously your children are weak in their faith because they haven't exercised that. We're strong in our faith because we've exercised it, that muscle over and over again. And now we're trainers to them. You're, you're training her that it is important for you to exercise your faith. Look at what the benefits have been in my life. Look at how the Lord has done this and that. And, and so we're in sh sharing our testimonies, we're personal training them in their faith and, mm -hmm. you know, teaching them to exercise that muscle. And, and I'm sure it's resonated with you through trials in your own life. I mean, you're a teacher and you are married. You know, there are things that you have faced that you thought, well, you know, my grandmother climbed bigger mountains. Let me tell you another experience we had. We went to China. Um, we, uh, we had a professor in Bible college who uh, was in Shanghai, and he, they had a church, and uh, they had an orphanage, because if they had a child that was deformed or something, and they didn't want it, they just put it. So they started this orphanage. And so we had a missionary friend in Taiwan, and um, he was going to take us into China, because he spoke fluent Chinese, I think. And, and we were making plans and everything, and he tells me, he says, now you've got to blend in with the Chinese. <laughs> How am I supposed to blend in with the Chinese? Little blonde, freckled woman. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, he said, don't be flashy. Don't dress flashy or anything. Don't try not to draw attention because they will watch you. You know, what are you doing here? You know? So anyway, so our goal was to try and find this church that once was many many years ago and so we um we got to china and everything and we got this uh, cab driver and uh, somebody told us that if if the cab if the cab driver thinks you're a threat to him that he might get in trouble with the government or something because you're americans or something he'll just stop and make you get out and you'll have to get another cab mm -hmm. so uh, we told him uh, uh, the missionaries telling him where we wanted to go and what we were looking for. And the, and the cab driver says, my grandmother used to go to that church. Oh. She used to read the Bible to me. Really? Yes. So he took us right to the place where the, the church used to be. And the um, cab driver's not supposed to leave his cab, but he got out and he, it was raining and he had an umbrella and he was walking to make sure I didn't get rained on. So we went up to the, the building and it's all empty inside, you know, some buildings inside, and it's got this wall around it. And so we go in and um, so we knocked on the door and the uh, Chinese man opened the door and Dan speaks to him in Chinese and he was afraid and he shut the door on us again. So I said, 
Dan, his name was Dan Freeman, I said, Dan, tell him that we know Dr. Donaldson. So he knocked on the door again and he said, Dr. Donaldson. And the Chinese man looked, he said, you Christians? <laughs> and he invited us in, poor as church mice, big slab of bacon hanging there, you know. And so uh, uh, we're talking and everything, um, they're talking and mm -hmm. he's trying to tell us what they're saying and everything. And uh, he said, I want to bring uh, my mother-in-law down, but she's going to start talking about Christ. She's going to start talking about God. And I just want to make sure you're Christians, you know. And we said, yeah, because he didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's st so, still illegal there. Yes, yeah, so he went up and got her. And <laughs> she came down, and he introduced us to her, and she started taking the, the preachers. I got preachers in my house. I got preachers in my house. Oh. And she's kissing our hands and everything. She was so thrilled. I thought, I wish other people wanted <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a preacher in my yeah. house. Acted like that, you know. You tell her, and, talk to that church in Beulah. There you go. No, Lebanon. Yes. And she said, uh, and she said, she said, I prayed for preachers. She said, but they gave up. Pointing to her son-in-law, you know. Oh. And she was in jail for 20 years. Wow. Oh, my You're goodness. She was in jail for 20 years. Wow. You have got some stories. I know. I know God's really been good. So they, uh, so, um, they told us when we went back, because Mrs. Donaldson was still alive, an old lady, but she was still alive. And he tell them that we still have our books, meant the Bible. We mm -hmm. still, they're hidden, because they can't have them. Tell them that we still have the books. Missionaries to China, that's, mm -hmm. how long ago was that? Oh my, that was in the 80s. And and when uh, so um, we got back to our hotel, and I went up to my room. And all I wanted to do was take my Bible and hold it. I'm so thankful I got my Bible. And they in jail. Yeah, twenty years. Can you imagine? Yeah. Think about and the last Chinese twenty prison. years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Doubt it's uh, humane treatment. So. so 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 I guess my testimony is you know God's good and everything. I said, but it's the Bible. It's God's word that you've got to hold close to your heart. You've got to trust God's word. You know that's what He gave it to us for. It's His love letter to us. It's evident throughout your whole life. Mm -hmm. So well, thank you for sharing with us. Anything else you? <laughs> it was very encouraging testimony, and we're very thankful that you. I have such a solid faith that you could share with us. So well, it's incredible. Because it's incredible. It's real. Yeah. It's not fake, you know. Yeah. God is good. Thank you, Florence. You're we welcome. appreciate you. You're welcome. Let me do say one thing. Working with the kindergarten teachers, I've worked with them all these years. They're great ladies. I I have not worked with anybody that is so that love the Lord, love what they're doing, and really want to help these kids have a burden for them and that's a blessing it is thank you so much